forgot my water. I have it now. I lost my voice this week, and so I'm going to need it. Is that cool? I appreciate that affirmation. I didn't need it, but it's always nice to have it, you know? Because the Spirit's already working this morning, isn't he? Isn't that cool? We don't have to wait till ministry time to get busy. I love it when it starts at the end of worship and, and God starts doing stuff. And you know what's great about that is that Jesus and God the Father are glorified when the Spirit empties out and pours things into us. It doesn't drain God. It doesn't drain Jesus to give to us. As a matter of fact, it glorifies the Father and it glorifies the Lord. Uh, which is contrary to how I think sometimes. But we're going to read that in the scripture in just a second. Um, The Old Testament prophets were really diligent to to give us hope that there was going to be a Messiah coming. That was going to give hope to the Israelites, to the people of God. And the Messiah came. And in that same way, Jesus was really diligent and kind to warn us and to tell us that the Holy Spirit was coming to give us hope. As we're going to read about today, uh, the scene is in the upper room uh, where Jesus is having his last meal, uh, the last supper with his disciples, with the twelve. And it's about four or five chapters in John. And it's where really you see Jesus at his most intimate level uh, with his disciples. He's spilling his guts. He's washing their feet. He's breaking bread with them. This is where he tells us, uh, Simon, that, that he's going to deny him three times. This is where he calls out that one of them's going to betray him. This is where John rests on the breast of Jesus. This is where he also tells us in all of their worry and all their anxiety that, that's, that we're going to be glad that he leaves because if he doesn't leave, the advocate will not come. And so let's, let's just pop in and read this. Uh, I don't have to do a lot of work today because this scripture is beefy, so good. So I'm just going to read it and I'm going to sit down. Just kidding. We're in John 16, 5. We're going to take our time. We're 15 through 5 through 15. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me about righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of this world 
has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The disciples are filled with anxiety. They're filled with worry. And he still says, it's to your advantage that I leave. It's for your benefit that I leave and I send the advocate in my place. I've been in a lot of places where I've just said, uh, if I could just be near, like one of the disciples, and if I could just be near Jesus, like the physical embodiment of the Messiah, I wouldn't have any problems. I would be fine. I, if I could just see him, I'd be great. But look at this. They, they have a VIP ticket to the last dinner with the Messiah of the world and they're still wigging out. They're still worried. They have no idea what's going on. Some of them are like, I mean, he's gonna be king. He's gonna overthrow Rome. Like, and some of them are like, I don't even know what's going on. And some of them are like, I'm about to get $30,000, so let's wrap this up, right? I'm just kidding. It's Judas. Little Judas jokes, right? I didn't write that one in. I'll change that. But it's to his advantage that we leave. Because if he didn't leave, he wasn't going to pour out his spirit yet. Jesus knew it would be better for him to leave and give the spirit than to stay and be with the church. Let's read that passage one more time. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks, where are you going? He says this because they're all concerned about themselves. They're kind of not concerned about Jesus. They're like, what's gonna happen to us once he leaves? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's important to note that Jesus uses the masculine pronoun him here and not it. So I used to think the spirit was this weird force uh, that was chaotic and sporadic and moody. Uh, and, and so I kind of had like a little uh, in doses, maybe Thursday night at camp. You know, I'll take the spirit. But the rest of the time, you know, Falls Creek Thursday night. Whoop, whoop. Uh, I grew up Baptist. Um, and, uh, and I would take it in doses, but I didn't want the whole thing, you know. I, uh, I've been through a few sozos before, which is the inner healing ministry that our Lord uh, provides here. And it's basically two people um, prayerfully guiding you through a conversation with God. And I remember my first one uh, with Jen Milner, what's up, uh, and Mike, 
uh, they said, which part of the, which, we're gonna lead you through a conversation with God, which part of the Trinity are you most comfortable with? And, and I thought to myself, oh, I, uh, I'm definitely had to go with Jesus. I'm not going with the weird guy on the throne up there, the, the strange father who's like this. And then I'm not going with the weird or, uh, organism of the spirit. Uh, I'd rather pick Jesus, Captain Cool. But slowly but surely, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, by way of God the Father, clears these things up for us. And Jesus really nicely wraps it all up in a pretty little bow that says, hey guys, we're all on the same page. We're all on the same team. So we're gonna look at this and we're gonna learn about life in the Spirit today. So Jesus is right there and they still have confusion, anxiety, fear. They didn't have the Spirit yet. They were in proximity to God but he hadn't yet poured out the permanence of his spirit on the people. And how kind is it of Jesus that he looks at that and says, I'm going to leave so that I can pour out my spirit on these people. And I wonder like, why did he have to leave? Why can't they coexist? And I would liken it to maybe the the Pope mentality where, where there's only one of Jesus There's only one physical man to go around for the whole world at this time. And anyone with the margin or the resources, the time, the energy can go and follow this physical manifestation of God. But as Jesus leaves and sends his spirit, what that does is it gives the whole world, the whole globe, equal access to God. In India, in Burma, in Africa, Minnesota, anywhere. Minnesota. I know, right? Duluth rules. Love Duluth. Wasn't in my notes either, but you're welcome. Uh, A lot of us are doing just this. A lot of us are living near God, but we're not living full of God. A lot of us are living near in close proximity in the Last Supper, enjoying being around God, but we're not being full of God with God, filled with God, as Jesus intended it. A lot of us are like, well, I prefer Jesus. It's like, well, if you prefer Jesus, then you prefer Jesus the way that he intended it. He said, I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna bring the advocate, so take the advocate on. If you love me so much, love the advocate, right? Okay. With Jesus gone, it magnifies our attention to the Holy Spirit and our need to be filled with the presence of God. With Jesus gone, it magnifies our attention to the Holy Spirit and the need to be filled with the presence of God. So what does it do? Well, let's check out verse eight through 11. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness 
judgment about sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. Let's break it down, let's break it down. About sin. The Holy Spirit brings to light our sin. Amen. Some of us are like, ah, yeah, don't remind me. <laughs> and that's a heavy thing to say, and that's okay. Some of us don't want to talk about our sin because we're, we're, we've got this like little suitcase over here, and it's like, well, my D group knows about this stuff, but like not about everything. And, uh, but you know about it. You know who else knows about it? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit knows about it. And he brings to light our sin. But as sons and daughters of the living God, we want to desire the conviction of the Holy Spirit to the sin in our life because that is the love of God. Not that God is after righteous acts, not after piety or this pious posture pointing us heavenward, but he's after getting us on the road of righteous acts that he laid out for us and away from sin because as born again, regenerated sons and daughters of God, the things of this world do not feed us. They do not fuel us. They are proteins and carbohydrates that run contrary to our body structure. So it's also the love of God that convicts us of sin because he's not after something like legalism, but he understands that the things of this world, greed, sensuality, wrath, revenge, envy, the things of this world are not gonna feed us as sons and daughters of God. So we're wasting time, we're wasting space, we're wasting energy, withering away if we are continually, habitually eating the things that this world has to offer. But the love of God through the Holy Spirit by way of Jesus convicts us of our sin in love to bring us to repentance in his kindness so that we can move into acts of righteousness. Which takes us to the next part. In righteousness. Oh, can I add one more thing about conviction of sin? One little footnote. So if the spirit is the one that convicts of sin, it also frees us up from bearing the burden of having to convict other people of their sin. Amen. There's no Facebook post in the world that can convict anybody of their sin. No comment left. Now, there are times in a Christian community where you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to help and to aid in conviction. And that usually comes with kindness and compassion, okay? If you're ever in a position to help bring light to a brother or sister's sin, it usually is coupled with kindness and with compassion. It's not, it's not coming with bitterness. It's not coming with angst. It's not coming with rage. 
It's not coming with apathy. It's coming with kindness and compassion because that mimics scripture. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not our frustration that leads other people to repentance, right? Frees me up from nagging my kids about their sin. I can correct and train and, you know, lock them in the basement. Uh, I'm just kidding. Those are terrible jokes to make on a Sunday. You know what's a joke? Because we don't have a basement. I don't have to, I'm not responsible and I don't have to bear the burden of having to convict other people of their sin. Whew, that's so freeing. Concerning righteousness, Jesus is gone. Spilled water all over my Bible. Brock gave it to me. He's gonna be so mad. Good thing he's not here today. Uh, Concerning righteousness, God leads us in good deeds, practices, rhythms, Acts, thoughts, words, attitudes, actions. The Spirit leads us in all of those things to achieve these things, to do these things. Not as like a a merit-based system where we keep moving up. We'll, We'll get to that in a second. Jesus did a lot of amazing things, a lot of wonderful things, and we have a fraction of them here in this book, just a tiny fraction, and John speaks to that. If there weren't to be enough books in the whole wide world, if I wrote down everything that he did, that was good. Picture John talking like that all the time. I grew up in Stillwater, so it makes a lot more sense. It makes him way more relatable. But his physical body, Jesus' physical body, is not here for us to follow around anymore, right now, for the time being. Because he's coming back. Uh, but he's not here anymore. And so who will guide us in the spiritual acts and the righteous acts that we are to obtain in the kingdom of God? The Holy Spirit will. The Holy Spirit will. That's going to be good. Psalm 25.9 says, He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. It's important to note that there's a humbleness attached to it because as we are filled with our own intentions and our own desires and our own golden shadows, there's not a lot of room for him to come in and teach us his way. And as we empty ourselves out, of those to allow God to fill us as we make room. That's what we're doing today. We're making room. As we make room for God to come in and do that, he teaches us his way. He shows us his way through lots of things. Again, these are not acts to achieve in badges of merit. They are gifts of God. They are gifts from God for us to walk in that mark us to ourselves, to our church, and to the world as sons and daughters of the living God, as sons and daughters of the living universe's king. They are acts that mark us as sons and daughters. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. 
just read it again. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. As ex, as fellow ex-pride addicts, right? We all kind of are ex-pride addicts, I am. As fellow ex-pride addicts, we need to let go of the achieving here and that the Spirit is leading us and guiding us on a custom highway for us to walk in these acts that have been prepared for us before we were regenerated, reborn in this phase of life. They were prepared before us for us to walk in to be our way of life. That's God's goodness to us. That's his plan. He laid it out for us and the spirit comes and empowers us to find that road, to be on that road, to convict us of sin, to get rid of sin, to give us faith so that we can walk by faith, not by sight, on this road that he's prepared for us to walk in. Isn't that cool? That's cool. That's what my aunt says, Aunt Mitzi. Cool. Spirit will lead us in righteousness, just like Jesus led the disciples. Spirit will lead us in righteousness the exact same way that Jesus cared for and led his disciples for three years. The, whole, the Holy Spirit is leading us to function just like Jesus, who came down from heaven and poured himself out, made himself in the form of a man, living completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the Spirit's gonna lead us in that when we make room and we humble ourselves and he fills us so that he can teach us his way. With Jesus, and we have Jesus' permission to do that. He pointed us there. The advocate's coming. Last part of that says concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. And I just wanna to speak to this for just a quick second. Uh, I, have, I have a huge, uh, it gives me hope that the ruler of this world has been judged. I'm a huge advocate for the underdog. And, and I find life, I find life when the underdog wins and the, the abused and the oppressed get rescued. I love it. I really do. We're called to love it. Micah 6.8 says, what does the Lord require you, man, but to, to love kindness, to do justice, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justice. We're allowed to do justice. We're allowed to take part in doing justice. I love it. When the evil oppress the oppressed, I mean, I go, I go crazy. A lot of us do. A lot of you do. A lot, we all go crazy. It drives us nuts. And Jesus calls us to participate in it as sons and daughters to participate in distributing his justice through the earth. But we also don't have to bear the burden of the outcome. 
We don't have to bear the burden of the outcome of all the social justice issues raiding the front page of the newspaper because the ruler of this world has been judged and condemned and it's over. But the gift is that that we get to help God to distribute justice, his kingdom justice in the world. last passage is heavy. You ready for it? You want to read it again? This last part's awesome. Jesus declares what is God. Jesus declares what is God the Father's to us by the Holy Spirit. He's about to declare what is God the Father's to us by way of the Holy Spirit. Let's read verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will, des- and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He says that twice. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. He will declare it to you. What do we learn from reading this passage? We learn that the Trinity is all on the same page. Isn't that great? So Colt's first sozo self doesn't have to be kind of worried about the Holy Spirit, doesn't have to be bummed about facing God the Father because they're all on the same page. Which is really neat when we worship this morning and we feel and we understand and we take in the presence of the Holy Spirit and the peace of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Holy Spirit, He, the Holy Spirit. And since the Holy Spirit only speaks what He hears the Father saying, we are being downloaded God's heart towards us through the Holy Spirit. Exactly what God the Father feels about us, what his heart feels about us, what his will declares for us, what his mind is thinking about us. We are being gifted the wisdom of God in his posture towards his sons and daughters. Because when he looks at us now, he finds joy because he sees Jesus and all that Jesus has that was given to him by the Father has been given to Jesus and now he passes it on to us and he gets glory in that. There's glory in that. Isn't that good? The Holy Spirit only speaks what he hears. They're all on the same page. They're all on the same page. There's not a weird Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit full of love from God the Father, full of kindness that convicts us of our sin because he loves us. 
that leads us in acts of righteousness because there's a bazillion of them for us to walk in. And he's judged the ruler of this world. Whoo! It's good, man. I'm excited about that. When we experience the Holy Spirit, we are experiencing exactly what God the Father's heart has towards us. Check out verse 14. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. We are not doing God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit any favors by being low maintenance believers, okay? We are not doing anyone in heaven in the kingdom of God any favors by being self-sufficient. There's a lot going on on the pages of the newspapers. There's a lot of wars, a lot of refugees. There's a lot of orphans. I'm just gonna be low maintenance so God can devote his attention elsewhere. That's a lie. That's not true. And Jesus was really diligent to say that. He said, don't worry about it because he will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the more that we receive the more life we receive from God, the more Jesus is glorified. In the economy of God, there is limitless supply of love. There is limitless supply of his goodness. There's limitless supply of his provision. It's limitless. And it's exponential, and he's glorified more and more the more that he bestows on his people. We can't run God dry. We can't run Jesus dry. We can't bore the Holy Spirit. Jesus is glorified the more that he pours out on his sons and his daughters. So if, if we are some people who say, I don't like to ask God for things. We're living in the contradiction of scripture. And Jesus says, I am glorified when I pass all this good stuff down to you that God gave to me. I am glorified. We don't have to be worried about bothering God, about tapping the shoulder when he gives us healing when he gives us provision, when he gives us wisdom, when he gives us hope, when he gives us faith, when he gives us love. Jesus is glorified by giving what the Father gave to Jesus to give to us by way of the Holy Spirit, direct from God the Father because the Spirit listens to the Father. They're glorified by bestowing life back onto us. So we have, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to walk in this. I've lived near God, but not full of God a lot. And I'd like to position myself 
in that upper room with Jesus 2,000 years later and tell the, tell, tell the worried disciples that, yeah, like 2,000 years from now, we have the Holy Spirit. And, but I live near it, but I don't live full of it. And they would go, what? Are you crazy? You could to be filled with God's spirit? We do! For a limited time. I'm just kidding, but seriously, but not kidding. We, we need not be afraid of being all in. This room is full of, of mothers, accountants, landmen, car mechanics. The hurting, the hungry, the full. The room, this room's full of them. And this scripture is for every single one of us and all the details of our lives. The scripture isn't for the, the visibly radical. The scripture isn't for just the quiet, studious. The scripture is for the sons and daughters of God, the leaders, the followers, the strong, the weak. The scripture is for all of us. There is nothing in this life that we are holding on to that we will be glad that we held on to when this life is over. There's nothing in this life that we are holding on to that we will be glad that we held on to when this life is done and we're called home. So whatever's stopping us from being all in and following the call of Jesus to be full of the Spirit, today's a good day to let go, right? Today's a good day to let go! And allow the Holy Spirit to come. He, the Holy Spirit, and convict us of our sin, to lead us in acts of righteousness, and to open up our hearts to receive all that Jesus has for us, and to bring glory to God the Father through the Holy Spirit because of Jesus because it brings them glory. Does that sound good? Let's pray and do ministry time and all that good stuff. Let's let the, let's let the Holy Spirit do its work. Yeah. God, we're thankful. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit and this unique portion, time period of life. Will you live amongst your people by way of your Holy Spirit because of Jesus? We're thankful for Jesus and we're thankful that he was kind enough to warn us that the Holy Spirit was coming and to tell us and to give us hope that the Holy Spirit was coming and that he was kind enough to lay out how the Holy Spirit works and what it's gonna do and that he left to our benefit 
so that we could live full of God and not just near God. And we just wanna take that on today. We wanna take that on and we wanna live in that. We wanna live in that promise. We wanna live in that truth. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we, we can be heard. Amen.